Now broadcasting from his hidden bunker and fully stocked bar, it is the Saturday Report with Hope Sebastian Taylor. Thank you and welcome once again, my friends, to the Saturday Report with me, Colt Sebastian Taylor, adventurer, entrepreneur, and amateur New Year baby. Welcome to AWSM Radio, an independent, digital-only radio station that plays today's best music, old-school classics with a rotating cast of all-star DJs. AWSM Radio focuses on mainstream artists, independent artists, along with a variety of interesting talk and music shows throughout the day, all we do is entertain, inspire, and inform. And my friends, I want to engage with you and have you be part of the conversation. So be sure to find me on the Twitter, on the Instagram, on the Rizzle at Colt S. Taylor, and catch up with all of my adventures, all the things I'm doing, and basically your go-to source for all things Colt Sebastian Taylor at ColtSebastianTaylor.com. All right, my friends, it's now 2021, so let's get ready for the first... Saturday report of the year. First up, folks, it is time for a special segment, 2020 Year in Review. It is a world-renowned party favorite of mine. Uh, everyone loves seeing it. A, a, a infamous, just infamous, Colt Sebastian Taylor Year in Review. So here is my 2020 Year in Review. Uh, well, guess we're... Guess we're not doing that this year. Ugh. Well, guess we're not going there this year. Ugh. Well, guess we're getting some streaming services this year. And scene. There we are. I believe that pretty much sums up 2020 in a nutshell. If you had a different experience, well, hey, good for you. Uh, but that brief, I feel like, I feel like I, I, I nailed it for most folks listening here on AWSM Radio around the world. Just a lot of, uh, all right, pretty much sums up 2020. Next up, it's time for a monolith update. Yes, my friends, as you may remember from a few previous past weeks, some past weeks, I have been uh, covering mysterious monoliths appearing throughout the world. Utah, Romania, I believe one in Colorado, uh, one in Columbia. Well, another, another, another monolith has appeared. It's already disappeared. It's happened uh, the day after Christmas, I believe, after my broadcast. A gingerbread monolith was discovered in San Francisco. Day after Christmas, very appropriate for it being, um, well, gingerbread. Uh, it was discovered, some photos, but just a day later, it had collapsed. Uh, gingerbread, not well known for its, um, I would say, uh, tensile strength. It's not known to be so, uh, weight-supporting uh, building material, but uh, it was uh, <laughs> it was a pretty big monolith. Um, it's like not just like a little one, but like one that was about eight feet tall. So uh, they're saying it's a Christmas miracle, uh, but um, you know, no one knows who put the monolith, the gingerbread monolith, up there uh, or how it fell down. It had gumdrops. It had icing. Uh, it was uh, appeared in the Corona Heights Park of San Francisco, for all my San Francisco listeners out there. Um, that's uh, where the monolith appeared, and uh, it was well put together, but, you know, they don't really make gingerbread to be, like, an outdoor material. Like, it's not like like like, like aluminum siding or anything like that. 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, another monolith has appeared. Um, still no word on who's really behind this, whether this is all independent or a group of folks all doing the same thing. But uh, someone with a few hundred pounds of gingerbread had a mighty fine time constructing that. Uh, so keep on the lookout. And I will as well. Looking for other monoliths appearing throughout the world. It's 2021. Something tells me this will not be the last we've of we last that we see of these monoliths. Next, friends, we move on to transportation. Fairies. No, not pixies. Not little winged people flying about, dropping dust, and then you think of happy thoughts and you can fly. No, I'm talking about moving things from point A to point B over a body of water using a boat. That kind of fairies. Yes, 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 yes. There are still some fairies out there usually going across larger bodies of water, but there really isn't what you would say river fairies. Uh, what has taken that place? Well, bridges mostly and tunnels, but there aren't a whole lot of river fairies. And uh, the last ferry on the Potomac River uh, outside Washington, D.C. has halted service. Now, this was known as the historic White's Ferry, and um, it uh, it had been operating since about the 1780s. So, like, for over <clears throat> 230 years, it has ferried things across the Potomac River, and uh, it has shut down services. Uh, the problem was not so much that there wasn't demand. People still use this ferry every week. Uh, the problem was where the ferry landed um, on one side of the river. Uh, they had uh, there was an agreement in 1871 uh, to uh, cede this land to the ferry so that they could operate and do things back and forth. But the document never really said where this location was. So it said yes, you can have this land, but it didn't really say where that land was. And after years and years of dispute. Um, the uh, they couldn't come to an agreement, and so the ferry has nowhere to land on the other side of the river, so they had to shut down. They took it to court. Court said, no, this is a valid contract, but it doesn't say where, so we really can't really enforce it. And, um, you know, it's uh, and they had no choice but to uh, shut it down. Uh, it had been going on for, like I said, since, you know, the, the 1780s. Uh, shut down for about a decade, but then restarted in the 1940s, which, you know, to me is, to me is pretty amazing. Um, it, uh, but there are all local, there are local, uh, congresspeople and, uh, state reps that want to restore this ferry. Um, they say it keeps a lot of vehicles off of local roadways. Um, it's, um, helps with, uh, breakups and uh, jams and whatnot. So there's a lot of there's a lot of work going into restoring this ferry. Uh, it's a very historic ferry. I've never been on one, especially now across the river. But uh, it's uh, I did I actually didn't even know there were still ferries operating across rivers. So this really popped up on my radar. Uh, here in Philadelphia, my grandfather, who has uh, since passed away, st uh, faintly remembers there being ferries across the Delaware River to get from Philadelphia to uh, New Jersey. Uh, you may not realize this, but here in the United States, many of the big bridges you take have only been have not been around for that long. A lot of them were a lot of the stone ones were built in the late eighteen hundreds, and a lot of the modern ones you see now were built. You know in the 50s and 60s. So if you wanted to get across, you know, leave New York City uh, before 1880, you had to take a ferry. 
Uh, he had the Brooklyn Bridge, but there's like one or two bridges, and then they built more and more, and then they built a tunnel and whatnot. So ferries were, for a good chunk of history, uh, the way you got across rivers. Uh, yeah, especially if you're, especially if you didn't want to be wet and you had goods to move, you can swim across it, sure. But you know, if you're trying to transport some wheat, maybe not the, maybe not the best solution. Maybe not the best solution. So I'll follow this if it reopens. White's Ferry crossing the Potomac River, connecting Landon, London County, Virginia, to Montgomery County, Maryland. Uh, I will let you know. Um, nice little historical trivia. So, yeah, I hope you want just wanted to bring that to you because. It's uh, it was a very, very out of the blue story that things I did not know still existed. Moving along, uh, Joe Lewis Clark has passed away. Uh, you may not know who that is off the top of your head, but if you are a fan of Morgan Freeman, uh, he was the uh, person the movie Lean on Me was based off of, uh, inspired the movie. Uh, he has died at the age of 82, Joe Lewis Clark. He was the principal of Eastside High School in Paris, in New Jersey, where there was a lot of discipline issues, lots of fighting, vandalism, drug possession, abusing of teachers. Uh, he, in fact, expelled 300 students in one day, one time. Uh, he was well-known. Uh, he was also uh, widely criticized by some folks because he used he had very unorthodox uh, methods of maintaining discipline. He would walk around the school with a bullhorn and a baseball bat, um, he even locked the school doors during the day to keep people out, uh, but he was also earned a lot of praise, uh, for his efforts to get the school under control, um, helped improved education and, and learning conditions at that school. If, uh, you have not seen the movie, Lean on Me, with Morgan Freeman, uh, it is a absolute wonderful movie. You should definitely watch it. It's a, it's one of those classic movies that really, hold up over time, and it's, it's, it is as good today as it was back then. It's a very great movie, and it's based on his life, and um, I cannot recommend it enough. Check it out. I mean, they take some liberties with uh, the movie, as Hollywood does, but uh, it's pretty, it sticks to a lot of the main points of uh, Joe Clark's Joe Clark's life. Uh, so, uh, like I said, he was originally from South Orange, New Jersey, but he passed away in Gainesville, Florida from an undisclosed illness. Uh, he was a real legend, real legend in the area. And, uh, you know, why don't you uh, enjoy this weekend and uh, take, a, take a trip down to see what the late 80s were like and watch uh, Lean on Me with Morgan Freeman, which is based off of the late Joe Clark's life as the principal of Eastside High. Moving on to college football news. Fun fact, I do not follow college football, but this story came across the AWSM sports desk that I thought was interesting. The Rose Bowl, which is normally held in Pasadena, California, will not be held in Pasadena, California this year. It is a annual bowl game, the Rose Bowl, uh, the Rose, Rose Parade, uh, has been held every year in Pasadena, except once, and this will be the second time it will not be have, it will not be held in Pasadena, and it will be instead held in Texas. Now, why is it not in California? You guessed it. COVID-19, so the city council agreed to let the name the Rose Bowl be used somewhere else. They have a sort of a, a tradition there, and they have a contract that the Rose Bowl has to be held in Pasadena. 
or you don't get a Rose Bowl. Well, they neg- the the college football organization uh, negotiated with them, and they're going to pay them $2 million, $2 million to have that uh, game somewhere else where they can have it where it's a little bit safer for COVID-19 rules. Now, the only other time... The only other time where it has not been held is during World War II, uh, when the West Coast was deemed too too unsafe to have large groups large groups of people congregating in football games uh, after Pearl Harbor. Uh, but other than that, they've been having it every year in Pasadena, California. Well, except for this year. So the Rose Bowl. Um, is going to be uh, hopefully back next year in Pasadena, but will not be in California this year. And uh, instead, it will be in Texas. Uh, they uh, kind of went back and forth about canceling it, uh, but under the contract they have with the football organization running the running the bowl here, uh, if they could, there's a clause in there that if something unforeseen happens, they're allowed to take that name and move it somewhere else. Global pandemic uh, kind of counts towards that. So they were able to uh, do that, but they did compensate uh, Pasadena, California for the lost revenue from not having a football game there by giving them $2 million. I don't think they're going to make up everything that they would have made having the game there, but it does soften the blow slightly. Uh, but they wanted to make sure to let everyone know that this is kind of a one-time thing that next year, once everyone is all vaccinated up, that the Rose Bowl will be back in Pasadena, California. So for all of you football game day watchers, which I'm sure that's a demographic that listens to me, uh, you will see the Rose Bowl in a different place this year. Now we head overseas to Europe, where tariffs are going to be delivering what uh, winemakers say a sledgehammer blow to the German wine and brandy making industry, a billion, billion, a billion euro tariff is being put on these wines and brandies, and uh, it's uh, it's going to impact that industry immensely. But ask yourself, Colt, why is the United States of America putting tariffs on wines and brandies in France and uh, Germany? There, there is there some sort of wine dispute, some brandy, some some rowdy brandies. Out there, well, you may this may surprise you. It did me. Airplanes, yes, airplanes are the reason why uh, German and French wines and brandies are going to be more expensive this year. Uh, it's sort of punish, punishing those countries for what they do with their airline industry. So, over there in Europe, there is Airbus. It's sort of a joint venture between a few countries. They make very big planes over there, big airliners over there. And over here, obviously, we have Boeing. They, we, those, that's the American company that makes planes on this side of the Atlantic Ocean. Well, over there, they provide the government provides subsidies to the Airbus company and that the United States finds to be unfair and anti-competitive. Uh, obviously, if you're getting money from the government to build things, your, your costs are lower, therefore your planes are cheaper, therefore you can sell more planes. And so they've been negotiating with um, Europe for a while to sort of sort this out because the United States did not feel it was very fair. And uh, I guess the United States said, you know what, we're tired of talking this. We're just going to put a billion dollar tariffs on your wines and, and brandy. So they can't, that's something that's going to hurt those industries immensely. It's a sort of, you know, it's not a very super stable industry. Uh, you have to depend on a lot of things, you know, weather impacts it immensely. 
So they're putting big tariffs on there to sort of ratchet up the pressure. Uh, obviously, there's going to be a new uh, administration in the United States here pretty soon. So uh, the Europeans are there kind of just holding out until the end of January. And hopefully we'll be negotiating with a different team from uh, Joe Biden's uh, administration. But uh, they, um, they, the, the European, European Union officials, quote, say that the unilater- this unilaterally disrupts the ongoing negotiation between two sides on a settlement. So uh, wines and brandies from Europe are going to be pretty, well, more expensive come January. Well, come now, well, I guess we're in January now, aren't we? So if, you, if you're stocked up, you're good. If you're not, you might have to spend a few extra bucks for a few months until this gets all sorted out. But, uh, you know, it's interesting, I thought, that, you know, a dispute over airlines and airplane manufacturers uh, hits an industry that's completely unrelated to it. Uh, the only thing that airplanes and expensive French wines have in common is when uh, European executives fly over on, on Gulf Streams sipping their rare reds or whatever. Uh, that's like the only time the, that Venn diagram overlaps. But uh, they, this is, I guess this is how international trade is done. I don't quite understand it, but uh, thought it was interesting. Figure I'd bring it to you. I'm sure someone out there understands these connections better than me. So if you want to come on and explain them to me, hit me up. Always enjoy interviewing someone, talking about something I don't know anything about. Now, something I do know quite a bit about, it's my pal DC and his show, DC Live in Effect, right here on AWSM Radio. He mixes it up every Friday night at 9 p.m., Sundays at 10 p.m., and you do not want to miss out while he is smashing it on the ones and twos from his new state-of-the-art 2021 compound somewhere, somewhere in South Florida, Every week here on AWSM Radio, he puts out amazing beats. He's a great pal to know. You should really follow him on the Instagram and also on the Rizzle. He puts out some fun stuff on there. But you can catch him right here on AWSM Radio, Friday nights at 9 p.m., Sundays at 10 p.m. It's not to be missed. Set your calendar. Get your basement COVID-friendly dance party ready because... My boy DC, he's going to provide you the beats right here on AWSM Radio. Staying in Europe, we're now talking about Brexit. Yes, the blank it, exit, the, the, the phrase that everyone's using last year and fortunately will be using this year for some reason. Brexit, the United Kingdom officially left the European Union at the end of 2020. They are now outside of the European Union. Uh, for those who are unaware of European global politics, which you may not be aware of, uh, the European Union is kind of a collection of countries and kind of breaking down trade barriers. Uh, they are borderless sort of travel. So if you are a citizen of Spain, you could go from Spain to Poland without stopping at any border checkpoints, just driving around like it was one big old country, uh, the European Union. So the United Kingdom uh, left the European Union. They voted to leave uh, uh, several years ago, and the final adios date was pushed back several times because it turns out they couldn't quite agree exactly what the rules are between trading between the United Kingdom and the European Union. 
Uh, the United Kingdom kind of wants some benefits, and the European Union was saying, no, 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 no. I'm French at the moment. No, 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 you get no benefits. You're no part of European Union. You cannot have benefits. Uh, so they've been negotiating for quite a while to sort of set things in place. Um, they, they came to an agreement days before the end of last year. I don't know if it's a good agreement or not. I don't study these things, nor am I paid to. But... But I'm not talking about whether it's a good idea for Great Britain and the United Kingdom to leave the European Union or not. What's interesting to me is sort of the sort of ripple effects of it. So before the United Kingdom left, they had special rules. Uh, they are, of course, an island. They are uh, you know, separated from Europe. So they had checkpoints set up that if you entered the United Kingdom... You had to go through customs and whatnot. Try to make it as easy as possible, but you just couldn't wander on in and go to and fro as you saw fit in the United Kingdom. They wanted that sort of special rule, and they got it. But they also wanted control over more of the economy and laws, so that's why they eventually they left. But anyways, they are no longer part of the European Union, which means you know, borderless travel is in the thing now. Now you probably say to yourself, Colt, listen, they're an island. There was no border to begin with. What's changing? Well, my friends, the European, the United Kingdom does have a border with the European Union. In Ireland. Yes, Northern Ireland is part of the United Kingdom, and Northern Ireland is on the island of Ireland, and Ireland is part of the, the European Union. Now, they are... Uh, they're not putting up checkpoints, not putting up wall or borders. Uh, that would just completely derail the uh, Northern Ireland peace accords that have kept that place pretty relatively quiet for the last 20 years. They still haven't got things quite figured out over there. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But uh, um, that's one border. But actually, they also have another border with the European Union, Gibraltar. Yes, Gibraltar. Tiny little part of Spain. Uh, well, it was Spain, but it's the Salvatry is part of the United Kingdom. It has a land border with Spain, and it is a European Union country, Spain. So hours before they were going to be leaving the European Union, Gibraltar and Spain came to agreement. Gibraltar is joining the um, the common trend. That's called a, the I'm saying this wrong. Schengen. Shen, Shenzhen Group, the Shenzhen Group, uh, sort of allowing there to be borderless travel, don't need to set up checkpoints or not. It would be very, uh, hurt the economy in Gibraltar immensely if they did that. Um, but they will not be putting up a fence there, so much like Ireland, they can still travel to and fro. Uh, the sort of customs and checkpoints will be between Gibraltar and the United Kingdom, not at the border of Gibraltar and Spain. Uh, see, I find this interesting because for years, I mean years, I mean like about 100 or so years, Spain really wants Gibraltar back. They really don't like the fact that Gibraltar is not part of Spain. Uh, it's been like that for hundreds of years with a few brief interruptions. And uh, the thought was they might, you know, throw up a stink and leverage some of this power to try to solve this solventry, solventry issue. Uh, but nope, they came to agreement and Gibraltar is still British and uh, there's still going to be no fence between Spain and Gibraltar at this time, uh, which is which is great for the folks that live there. And there's there's actually quite a few people that live in Gibraltar. I think there's like 30, 34,000 people who live there and 15,000 
uh, Spanish citizens go there every day to work. So if they were put up a fence, can you imagine 15,000 people going through checkpoints every day? Uh, those folks would lose their jobs, obviously, and then the businesses who couldn't have Spanish workers would suffer immensely. So um, they were able to come to agreement, and fortunately things will be somewhat status quo there uh, for, the, uh, for the foreseeable future. Moving back to Great Britain and still talking about Brexit, uh, if you are unaware, Boris Johnson is the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. Um, he took over after Theresa May. Uh, she stepped down as Prime Minister. He's now Prime Minister. And he has led the United Kingdom out of the European Union to be outside uh, through tough negotiation. He was you know, part of the, I guess, Leave campaign. Well, this is not universally, universally held in his family because his father is applying for French citizenship so he can remain to be part of the European Union. Uh, his father, uh, uh, Boris Johnson's father, wants to uh, be a French citizen. He, uh, his name is Stanley Johnson, uh, his mother was French and his grandfather was French, so he has French ties. He speaks fluent French, apparently. And um, he is applying to be a French citizen so he can remain part of the European Union. Uh, for those in the United Kingdom who do not have citizenship elsewhere, now that they are no longer part of the European Union, uh, they don't have all the advantages of said organization. And Stanley Johnson, who is a very, very pro-Europe person, uh, wants to make a bit of a show of it. Obviously, you could, you could quietly apply or you could publicly, publicly apply. And he's very loudly applying for French citizenship, um, he, uh, he wants to remain part of it. So uh, the, I imagine the, the, the holiday dinners at the Johnson family household, uh, well, first, there probably aren't any group gatherings because COVID-19 is really ratcheting up there in the United Kingdom, but as soon as they have one, it might be a little bit awkward discussions there around the uh, dinner table between uh, the elder Johnson and the younger Prime Minister Johnson. Next, folks, it's time to have a moment of silence for a old friend who is now passed. Farmville. Uh, Farmville, the popular Facebook game that once had 30 million daily players. That's, that's more than some countries. Finally shut down uh, on New Year's Eve. They, they were ending support and service of Farmville uh, at the end of this year. Uh, mostly because Flash which is what the game ran on, Adobe decided to no longer support it. Uh, they said we're going to end support at the end of 2020. They did. Farmville cannot continue. So if you had a farm, uh, it is now officially closed. Uh, you cannot access the game. Uh, it was once one of the most popular games, most popular games on Facebook. You could go and... Um, <laughs> you could go and, you know, help other people's farms and whatnot, but... It is now no longer no longer running. Um, Flash was once a once a mainstay of most mobile game platforming and animation, but it was subject to security issues. It was very resource hungry, and Adobe decided to abandon it altogether. Um, online video game industries have turned to HTML5. Uh, it's a language that can run graphics without plugins, and Flash was kind of a plugin. But for those who have the green thumb or the itch to farm uh, fake farms, no worries. No worries, my friends, because there is a Farmville 2 Tropic Escape and Farmville 2 uh, County or Country Escape, uh, which run on uh, 
modern browsers, so they're not subject to the, uh, I guess you say, the, the, the flash limitations. And, and for those who like to farm on a mobile device, Farmville 3 is coming out this year, a worldwide release. I guess it's going to be an app on Apple, Android, and other phones. So if, if you like waiting an hour for artichokes to be available, well, you know what, my friends? Farmville 3 is coming out. When it does, and if I remember, I will check it out and give you a review of this app. Or, you know what, friends? If you want to try it out and send me a review, send me a review, I'd be more than happy to... Uh, Think about putting it here on the broadcast. Uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But once again, Farmville, long-running game. I think if you had a Facebook account, you probably saw Farmville at some point. Uh, has finally, finally shut down. The sun has set in. Uh, once, once had 30 million people. But now, because of changes in technology, much like the actual farm industry, uh, Farmville is now closed. We now move back to South Florida, not talking about my pal DC, but something else that has ended in Florida. Uh, Greyhound racing. No, not buses. Who would race Greyhound buses? That's a waste of... I, uh, why would you even think that? No, I'm talking about the dogs. Greyhound racing of dogs. Greyhound dogs. Uh, officially ended on New Year's Day. Uh, they passed an amendment a few years ago saying that Greyhound uh, dog races would be banned in Florida starting in 2021. Uh, the last Greyhound race started at 11.59 p.m. on New Year's Eve. And then once the race ended, it was obviously after midnight, and then that was the last Greyhound race in the state of Florida. Um, they uh, went down there and they interviewed a few folks. And uh, some folks were happy they were ending because of the cruelty they perceived the Greyhounds going through. Others, others were happy because they never won. They lose money there every day. Uh, some folks were upset and sad that the voters decided to do this. They have different opinions. They think the Greyhounds are treated very well and whatnot. And thought that this was a humane sort of racing uh, sport, but uh, no more in Florida. There are Greyhound races elsewhere, so many of the dogs racing in Florida uh, are going to be racing in other states. Others, however, have found homes. There's a lot of Greyhound rescue organizations that take uh, retired Greyhound dogs and take them to be adopted elsewhere, uh, be service dogs, and just sort of live out their lives in race dog retirement. But, uh, yeah, the, uh, the, many of these racetracks had celebrations on New Year's Eve, had giveaways, sort of a celebration of their history, but, um, they are pretty much all going to be wrapping up operations over the next few weeks and shutting down for good because it's no longer legal to have those things there. And there's only so much you can do with a Greyhound racetrack. There really isn't, I mean, you, you, maybe you can race toddlers, maybe you can race toddlers, like, like two-year-olds, race them. But you know, there's probably there's probably some sort of uh, legal issues with that as well, especially with COVID nineteen. But you know, I think some barely walking toddlers trying to run a dirt track uh, that might be worth that might be worth some gambling money there. Anyways, I digress. Uh, Greyhound dog racing no longer legal in Florida. Uh, many of these dogs are going elsewhere. Uh, but there are the one, several, the story that I read at that particular location, 
the Greyhound, uh, local Greyhound organization, knew that the end was coming. So this year they had worked for several months to make sure that, uh, you know, New Year's Day or the day after that all these dogs would have a home. So none of them were being, you know, you know put down or anything like that. Uh, so that's uh, that's good for them. And so I guess as <laughs> I guess as a uh, ripple effect, I guess Greyhound Dog Rescue Associations in Florida probably seeing less traffic going forward. Which you know what, if I'm sure they're happy, sure they're happy that they don't have to do that anymore. Uh, I'm sure they'll turn their attentions elsewhere where Greyhound racing is uh, still a thing. And then you know what, I would like to see Greyhounds on a Greyhound bus racing other Greyhounds on a Greyhound bus. I mean, isn't I think that's pay-per-view quality right there. I paid to see that, absolutely. A little dog in a bus cap, riding a bus. Oh, my goodness. Around a track? Brilliant. Speaking of absolute brilliance, besides myself, my pal Rox and her drive-time show, The Rock Sessions, you need to listen every Monday through Friday from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. She's going to make sure that your evening commute home is fun. It features the hottest music on the charts and some fun surprises in between. Rocks, my friend, she will make it rock. Rocks style. So be sure to listen to the Rock Sessions every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday from 5 p.m. Straight through 7 p.m. You will not uh, be disappointed. So download the AWSM app today. Put it on your phone. Set an alarm. And listen to my pal Rocks and the Rock Sessions right here on AWSM Radio. Staying in South Florida. Friends, there may be times where you need to do some snooping around yourself. You need the services of a private investigator to either prove your innocence or prove someone else's guilt. These highly trained... Private detectives will snoop out and sniff out and find the things you need to find out for you. Lots of people use them. They're the plot points of many movies. Private investigators. Well, there is one company in uh, South Florida or the Florida area that you may want to avoid or you may want to do additional research on. I'm not going to endorse it or not endorse it or not. I'm just saying you should be aware of this. Uh, it's called Case Research and Consulting Services. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> being uh, run by uh, Casey Anthony. Casey Anthony. Casey Anthony. Oh, man, that name sounds familiar. Well, she was acquitted of the murder of her two-year-old Kaylee Anthony nine years ago. Uh, yes, that Casey Anthony, uh, of, of that fame, you might remember her being featured on headline news like every other night. But, um... Uh, yeah, yeah, she um she is launching, I guess, a <laughs> a private investigation company. Uh, she has been apparently working for um someone named uh Patrick McKenna, who was the lead investigator for AJ Sim- of OJ Simpson, and she's been doing uh, online social media searches searches and other investigative work. Uh, but uh, I guess um. I guess that she is going to be launching her own investigation firm. Uh, like I said, she was charged uh, with child abuse and manslaughter, uh, but beat the rap, I guess, and uh, was only found guilty on four counts of providing false information to a law enforcement officer. Uh, I'm sure that uh, Nancy Grace, 
the former HLN. Is she still on Headline News, Nancy Grace? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I'm not a fan, so I don't I don't follow her career. Uh, she called uh, her, in case you anything, the most hated mom in America and top mom, top mom. So, but now she's opening an investigative firm. Wow, wow, that is, whew, whew. That's like, it's like O.J. Simpson uh, selling a line of kitchen knives. Like, wow, mm, really, really, you, you, okay, okay. So, um, if you are looking for an investig- investigator down in Florida, uh, you might want to poke around to see who the CEO is of that particular organization. You might find yourself surprised who it is. And finally, we go to North Korea tourist hotspots, obviously. Um, they have, still have a big group events there in North Korea. This may, this may surprise you, but uh, with limited movement, they apparently, allegedly, have not been severely impacted by COVID-19 because they don't get as many tourists, let's say, as the rest of the world. Well, at the end of the year, the leader of North Korea generally has an annual televised address and for those who have TVs, uh, pretty much mandatory to watch it and whatnot. But he skipped this year's uh, annual uh, address. First time in 25 years. Now, if you follow North Korean politics as closely, as closely as I do, you know that this year there's been some rumors about the health of Kim Jong-un. Um, whether he is healthy and whatnot, whether there's been some reports that sometimes he has died, but he pops up every now and again to show that he's alive, but there's definitely not has been as many public appearances of him over this year. Uh, he has a apparently, allegedly, a slew of health problems, a slew of health problems, um, but um, no no word on, I mean, obviously he is still, still alive over there, or they would be having someone else in charge, but he skipped this year's uh, annual televised address, uh, again, causing some rumors and mumblings of what exactly is going on. So instead, he sent out holiday cards to everyone in North Korea, New Year's Day cards, uh, signed by your pal, Kim Jong-un. So even though you probably had, you didn't have to watch him, um, <laughs> talk on TV, you got a card, and I'm sure they had, he had to open it in front of officials and be really touched by the greeting on the inside. So uh, apparently, though, there's going to be a North Korean Congress, People's Congress. They do that every, you know, 10, 5 to 10 years, lay down some new quote-unquote rules and laws, and then go about their business. They promote some people. They demote some people. Some people just don't show up and never appear again. Well, that's quite the demotion. Uh, But again, there's a lot of rumors of who's going to take over for him. Uh, I am not aware of any heirs that he has. Uh, The strong sense is that his sister may take over, and uh, she's been popping up a whole lot more often, and, uh, you know, I I can't, I honestly cannot think of a country that has had a female cult-like dictator in the past. I, I honestly cannot think of, I'm sure there is, I'm sure trivia-wise, someone will pop in, but uh, she might be the next leader of North Korea, so be watching very carefully to see what happens, uh, you know, if you're the leader of North Korea, you, you generally don't retire. It's it's a it's a spot for life, um, but we'll see what happens this year. There's supposed to be some big deals that were supposed to be made, and uh, I don't think they're going to get made. Well, that just about wraps up this week's Saturday report with me, Colt Sebastian Taylor. 
thank you so much for joining me for the first show of 2021. I've got 50 some more weeks to go. Uh, remember, you can catch me on the Twitter, the Instagram, and the Rizzle at Colt S. Taylor. So uh, please follow me there. Let me know if there's a story I'm missing, a story that I should be covering, or if you don't like what I'm doing, feel free to yell at me. I like the attention regardless. And uh, of course, you should already have bookmarks. ColtSebastianTaylor.com, where I'll be, you know, posting some random updates throughout the month of my adventures. And, uh, yeah, so thank you for continually listening to me here on AWSM Radio, and I will be back next week. So, until then, my friends, I'm Colt Sebastian Taylor, and I'll see you later.